Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm so glad that you guys are taking some time out of your day to spend a few minutes with me. I think you're going to be really encouraged by today's podcast. Several weeks ago, we we started talking about a theology for suffering, and then we talked about a theology for prayer and that the church is really needing to do a better job of giving uh, men and women sort of some handlebars to hang on to with regard to some of these things. And today, uh, two of my very dear friends, Gary and Laura House, are on the show with me, and they are going to give us some theology for handling grief. You guys, this is going to be a wonderful interview. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad that uh, you guys are here. I met a mom. This is a funny story. I met a mom last week who told me that she's been listening to my show since the beginning of the Rona. She sort of found me when I was uh, on on Facebook Live and ranting and raving about the injustices of it all and the stupidity of the whole thing. And she said, I since have been listening to your podcast. And she said, I don't, I hardly ever miss it. And I've put a speaker. She's installed a speaker in her shower. So I am her shower buddy. And she goes, is that weird? And I said, it's not that weird. People actually tell me that all the time. So uh, I appreciate you guys. Wherever you are listening, I'm glad that you're here. I think today is going to be a very special interview. Gary and Laura House uh, have been friends of my husband's and my, for a long time, we originally met them through the Institute for Excellence in Writing. They're originally from Indiana. And right now they live in beautiful Lynchburg, Virginia. They're parents to three children, Ryan and Megan, who live nearby, and Nathan, who resides in heaven. Early in his career, Gary served as a pastor and then as a professional teacher at the graduate level in the area of Christian ministry. Laura is a former RN and then uh, treasured the years her years as a stay-at-home homeschooling mom, which is really how I came to know her through her ministry again, I told you guys, at the Institute for Excellence in Writing. And you guys are going to love as much as I do. I told you that their son, Nathan, resides in heaven. And after his death in 2016, they experienced comfort found by spending time with other bereaved parents Yearning to provide similar opportunities for other grieving parents and to challenge them to trust Jesus, their ministry, Our Hearts, Our Home, was born. They've been married for 39 years, and they enjoy walking on the beach, and I enjoy talking with them. You guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm glad that you've come on to talk about this. You and I, we've we've uh, talked on the show before about grief and what it means to walk through the loss, particularly the loss of a child. And as we said at the onset of the show, given what's happened in our nation in the last two and a half years, I don't know very many people whose lives have not been touched on one level or another uh, by death. And if you just Google, I I had someone on the show the other day talking about um, the rise in sudden deaths. If you Google died suddenly, it is amazing. Mm -hmm what is happening right now. And and again, you know, the church really grappling to sort of, there's no handlebars to hold on to, right? When someone calls you and says, I've just lost a child. Uh, and, you know, we were just talking before the show of a dear friend of mine who just lost a son. And this is something we need to get better at. And you guys have spent the last several years um, really allowing the Lord to pour into you so that you could pour into other people why was this so important for you and uh, to realize, hey, there's a void that needs to be filled? Well, no one ever expects to lose a child. And when it happens, um, 
it is a type of suffering. It's devastating, indescribable pain. Um, you don't know where to where to turn. You don't know where to find support, and uh, you're numb. Uh, especially, you know, the first year, sometimes the first two years. And so it's very important to uh, to find someone that can kind of lead you and guide you, encourage comfort and uh, provide support for you. And so when we lost Nathan, we followed that same path, uh, trying to ask all the questions, uh, figure out all the what ifs and should haves. Um, Ultimately, every parent does that, and where you end up usually, if you grieve in a healthy way, is uh, just giving it all to the Lord and trusting Him, which is what He wants us to do anyway. And and then throughout the journey, you realize that if you don't become bitter and reject God in the process, but you give it all to Him and trust Him, that uh, you develop an intimacy with Him that probably would not have happened without uh, this type of experience, at least to you know the same level as we've experienced. So when you start out um, not knowing where to turn or what to do, and then God brings some people along into your life that are there for you. And we just found incredible comfort uh, when we met mm. some of those people. We went to Grief Share three sessions in a row. There's 13 weeks. So we went three semesters in a row actually. And the leaders of our grief share group are dear friends now, but they lost all three of their sons, three different years, three different ways. Incredible. And yet there they were after walking through this three times, um, they had found a way to trust Jesus. So that was really life-changing for us. And we realized the incredible comfort from being with others. And so that is how our hearts was born. So we just love spending time with grieving parents and we do that in a multitude of ways. It's really a, a, an unusual thing, I think, to find someone who is comfortable. First of all, we're not comfortable with death in the culture. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't talk about it. And we're certainly not comfortable with grief. A lot of times, you know, people who, uh, you know, you, you find out that your best friend has lost a child or um, they've been involved in an accident of some sort. And we sort of, uh, it's like we're grasping into the air. We're grasping at straws for what to say, for how to let that person know that we love them without feeling like, hey, we're going to say something we shouldn't say, or we're going to walk into uh, we're going to walk into a conversation, open a door that maybe that grieving parent isn't ready to walk through or can't uh, can't understand. What is some of the talk to the people right now who are listening who have someone in their life that is going to be grieving during the holidays? Uh, one of the hardest times of the year, I think, for for people, it doesn't matter if it's a child or a parent, a loved one, that someone that you've lost, and you enter into the holiday season, and everyone around you is joyful, and they're they're going on with their life as if nothing has happened, but your life is radically different. Talk to us a little bit about how to help uh, people that we love who are grieving during the holidays. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. And uh, before losing Nathan, we had no idea what to do either, and. I think a lot of times people don't say or do anything, even though they want to desperately, but they're so afraid that they're going to hurt a grieving parent even more than they're already hurting. Mm -hmm. So I will tell you that is not possible (laughs) Um, unless you say something really awful, but hopefully not. Um, You need to talk. You need to text, send cards, 
maybe send flowers and say in loving memory of the child's name. Um, you need to reach out. A text message every morning saying, I'm so sorry. I love you. I'd love to be there for you. I'm going to the grocery. Can I stop and get groceries for you? I mean, there's so many ways. Um, on our website, we actually have a, a document people can just download called Helping a Grieving Parent During the Holidays. And it's about six pages of ideas, um, memory gifts, things to say and not to say, um, just a lot of helpful ideas, things that we experience, but also a lot of other parents that you know we've met through our events. Um, we ask them for some of their ideas. So there's a lot of things on there. But I guess the main thing I want to say is reach out. If the loss is fresh, really the only thing to say is, I am so sorry. Mm -hmm. And I love you. I want to be there for you. But I don't have any words to say. I'm just so sorry. Um, anything else is too much at the beginning. You know? But particularly during the holidays, uh, which is stressful for a lot of people anyway. Yeah. Um, when you've lost a child, uh, it's intensified. And a friend can... Um, can offer to do something with the bereaved parent. The parent doesn't, a bereaved parent even doesn't want to reach out and ask somebody for help. We don't like mm -hmm. doing that. But if someone can come along and say, I know this is a hard time for you. Um, I know there's a lot of memories and that's making the season difficult. But could I just come over and bake Christmas cookies with you? Um, can I go shopping with you? Have you purchased your, your gifts yet? Uh, if not, I'd love to go with you. Just having that support and encouragement goes a long way. Otherwise, a parent may not even bake cookies that year or decorate the tree or uh, do any Christmas shopping because it's just too hard. They become, they're very overwhelmed. But if somebody's there at their side, um, it, it goes a long way. And after Nathan died for, well, I think it was a whole year, we received a card in the mail from someone that was an acquaintance of ours. We didn't know them really well. Um, they lived in another state and they sent us a card once a month for a whole year. And that meant the world to us. And so even, even more so at Christmas time, uh, someone would just um, send a text or write a card and send it. Uh, it just lets you know that someone's thinking of you, perhaps praying for you and even more, thinking of your child, because one of the fears that all parents have when they lose a child is that their child will be forgotten. And even though we have to move on, and that's what the grief process does, we never forget, we never completely heal. We do come to a point where we find joy and purpose in the midst of our sorrow and our grief. But um, but just a reminder that that our child is not forgotten is just very encouraging and uplifting because when we move on, it almost gives us the sense that um, that we're putting the event in the past, and no parent ever wants to do that. So even at church, if you're if the parent is coming to a church event, just go up and give them a hug and just say, "Hey, so good to see you. This must be kind of hard, you know. I know this is hard. I can't even imagine how much you must miss Nathan." I'll tell you something else that's the biggest gift in the world to a grieving parent is a story about their child, a, a picture. I, I really score more points if you found a video. <laughs> We've had a few friends from the past um, send us little video clips that we've never seen when Nathan was at their home for a birthday party. Wow, that was like gold. So don't be afraid to reach out because um, they're doing the best they can to 
enjoy the holiday season at church or wherever it is that they are, but in the front of their mind, not the back, in the front of their mind is that child who's missing. So any memory that someone can have, uh, especially at Christmas time, if a friend or relative has a memory that they, they could share, uh, that would be you know really encouraging to a parent. Um, it's a, a wrong concept, but most people think that if they do something like that, it will remind the parent of what happened. That's and it. so a lot of people don't yeah. talk. They don't bring the child up. They they avoid you because they don't know what to say, and they they don't know how to say it. They're afraid that it'll cause you to cry or um, or remember. Well, you you're never going to forget. It's in the forefront of your mind forever. And so uh, people need to understand that we want to talk about our child. We could talk about our child all day, every day to somebody, and keep those memories alive. And so. Uh, we want to, we want people, you know, to, uh, to bring Nathan up, especially at the holidays. I'm glad that you guys are talking about this because I think that is, at least in my experience, the sort of number one thing. We just feel like if we bring it up, we've somehow made it worse. We've, we've made the pain of that, that parent, uh, or maybe it's not a parent. Maybe it's a child who's lost a parent or whatever it is. We've just made it worse, but you're saying, no, say Say the name of that loved That's one. Right. Say their it's, name. Exactly. That's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. And we would have thought the same thing, but um, hundreds of parents would concur with us <laughs> to say this. That, And not just grieving parents, but if someone loses a spouse, you need to say their name. You need to bring them up. Mm-hmm. So you're definitely not um, hurting someone. They're sitting there thinking about it, wishing that they could say, that they could talk about it. So you're being a yeah. blessing to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. We've talked a little bit about some things to say. What are some things that you say, hey, just don't don't say this? Don't say anything that begins with at least. So oh, at yeah. least you have other children that was said to us. Um, you know, at least you had him for 25 years. So basically anything with the words at least, don't say those. Um, don't don't quote scriptures. Uh, at someone, you know, all things work together for good. Well, you know, it doesn't feel good right now. I just lost my child. You know, I, I believe that the Lord works through things and, you know, uses it for his glory and brings about good things in our lives. But that's not what someone needs to hear. Um, down the road, boy, many Bible verses as you can find that bring hope and comfort are wonderful to text. But in the beginning, really you just need to say, I'm sorry. Um, we do have some other ideas, I think, in the little booklet. Oh, here's some others when we got, um, you're so strong, I could never do that. That was said to us. Like, really? <laughs> we didn't have a choice in this. Um, right, oh, right. Another one, we've heard all of these, but and every parent has since lost a child, but um, that uh, God only allows something like this to happen to those he knows can handle it. That's a cop- common one. Yeah. Um, I know how you feel is one of the worst things to say, Mm -hmm. because even if somebody lost someone, they didn't lose my someone. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they feel. They don't know how I feel. So you don't want to say, I know how you feel. You don't. It wasn't that particular loss was not yours. Or you'll get over it. Um, Or God needed him in heaven or he's in a better place. Well, of course Mm -hmm. he is. I want to be there, too. He is in heaven. But Right. right now, that's not what we need. Uh, parents just need to know how sorry you are because they're hurting 
and that you love them and you want to be there for them. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I noticed that you, you because I'm looking at, uh, at this document, I noticed that you said it's important that that uh, people don't try to offer advice. And I think that's another, it's a coping mechanism. We just think I'm trying to help. So here's my way of helping. But the reality is there's nothing that they can do that will take the pain away or make it less. So you're, you're trying to work your way through it. And, it, and so just don't offer advice. Did people offer advice to you? I'm assuming that that happened. Oh yeah, lots of it. And the thing with the advice is if you offer me advice, then it's kind of, negating the fact of, of my own pain and how I'm hurting and how I need to deal with it. So the Lord's working with me through my grief. I don't need advice from someone else. This is something that the Lord helps me with personally. What happened in the story of Job, as long as the friends just sat with him um, and didn't talk or give him advice, things went pretty well. But once they started giving advice, uh, it kind of went downhill from there. So. Mm-hmm. What can, uh, speaking to the church, I mean, most of the people that listen to this show are, you know, they're engaged in a church on some level. And that's something that you guys really have a passion for, right? Both of you have a history of ministry and loving the body of Christ and working with Christians. And I think this is an area where we really do fall short. Uh, on an, and you've listed some things, and I'm hoping you can give us some of them uh, right now, that things that the body of Christ can do that can really help make a difference uh, actively for a gr- for someone who's grieving? Well, we're in the process. Um, it should be posted on our website as a free download within the next week or two of uh, writing a booklet that is entitled How Pastors and the Church Body Can Minister to Grieving Parent. And uh, it's basically written to church leaders, but it's for people, parents who have lost children to give to them, uh, let them be aware of it. Because what we found since we started this ministry is in every gathering, um, every support group, every book study, uh, grief shares that we lead, no matter what event we have, uh, this topic of going back to church always comes up. And it's not a minor issue. It's, it's a very significant issue. It affects almost every parent that's lost a child for several reasons. And, uh, and the first thing is, and I hate to say it, but churches in America are not equipped to deal with grief. So and it doesn't have to be, and I'm not saying every church, because I know some churches that are very well equipped, but not enough. I should qualify that. Um, I, I was a seminary professor for several years, and until Nathan died, I didn't realize that we were not equipping pastors to go out into their churches and deal with grief um, and suffering and never crossed my mind. And I was uh, having lunch with a seminary president not too long ago, and I was sharing about our hearts are home and, and our story about Nathan. And he stopped me and he said, wait, he said, I'm a seminary president. And it just dawned on me that we don't have one course in our curriculum to deal with this. So mm. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, If they don't get the training, then they they aren't going to be equipped themselves to equip their congregation. And if a congregation can be equipped to deal with grief, it would open up a whole new world uh, in that congregation. Because any Sunday morning uh, during the service, there are people that are grieving and suffering. It may not be the loss of a child. It may be the loss of a spouse or a grandparent. It may be just the grief of divorce. But for some reason, there's grief. And most Sunday morning services in our event that doesn't really meet the needs of those grieving people. So what's happened, as we've seen, is that uh, loss, grief, and suffering is a main reason for church hopping. Almost everybody that is a part of our ministry that we serve um, has left their church and are looking for another church. They're looking for some place where they can have those new needs met. And they leave Because the needs aren't met, for one thing, in terms of grief, they also leave because the friends that used to come straight to them at the end of a service to to talk and fellowship no longer do that. They see them from a distance and they turn and go the other way. And that's noticed by the parents. And the reason is those friends don't know what to say. That's right. So that's where the equipping part of the ministry of the church needs to occur. And even staff and pastors don't. Because oftentimes they would mean well, but they assume that friends or Sunday school teachers or community group leaders are doing that and they're, you know, doing the avoidance as well. And so that all occurs and people leave the church. But another reason they leave is because uh, it's just too difficult. But if you raised your child in that church, they're a part of the youth group, all the events and memories, it's hard to go back there in that same building, same surroundings. And, and sit there on Sunday morning and, and remember that. And if they had a memorial service right there in the sanctuary, uh, it's difficult to sit there. And that's the first, the only thing that's going to be on your mind. So there are multiple reasons, but I think that it would be very helpful if, if uh, church members could be equipped to know what to say and what not to say and what to do to reach out to serve parents that are grieving in any way. So the download starts talking to pastors first. Um, Simple things like every time you have a pastoral prayer, every Sunday morning there's some type of pastoral prayer, just simply acknowledge, you know, pray, ask the Lord to comfort those in the congregation today that are grieving. That simple little acknowledgement every Sunday morning because there's a lot of grieving people, as Gary said, for multiple reasons. Um, And so there's a lot of um, how a pastor can educate himself about child loss. So the document starts out kind of geared toward pastors and church leaders. And then it talks about just you mentioned giving some ideas. So I'll just list a few things um, what you can do to help support grieving people, not just parents, but anyone who's grieving. And these are just ideas. There's pages and pages of them. They don't most of them cost nothing. And every church can implement them. Um, Things like have uh, an in loving memory page in a church directory, create an online memorial page on your website, invite members to purchase flowers in memory of someone. And then on your PowerPoint, it says the flowers today are there in memory of Nathan house. You know, that means the world to a parent Um, invite people to stand during the prayer that are grieving and people who want to stand and have others come near them and lay hands on them. will. the ones that don't want to won't, but that's a very simple thing. Something that I think would be so easy to do is make a memory book, just like a, um, a picture book, a picture album, and put it out in the narthex somewhere. 
and invite someone who's lost someone to take one of those pages home and scrapbook it. You know, they put pictures in it and it just stays there in the narthex. Or a board, it can be even in an obscure place in the church, but a memory board, a bulletin board. And they just simply can put a picture up there. The church can use a, a template and have a paragraph. So that person's not forgotten. There are so many memory things. We love that some churches do a, um, a memorial luncheon. So we'll do a quarterly luncheon and anyone who's lost anybody just brings something to pitch in. So it's a pitch in dinner. But all of a sudden in that gym, as you stand up and introduce yourself, now I've met another mom that I didn't know lost a child. Mm -hmm. And so it's connecting the body of Christ. Um, A memorial service once a year where the person's picture is up on a PowerPoint. And uh, we went to a service once. It was just beautiful. And when Nathan's picture came up on the PowerPoint, we just stood up and it just acknowledged and kind of honored the memory of our precious son. And that meant the world to us. It was a whole congregation of people who had lost. So then there's things that, um, well, a card ministry, a text ministry, those things are really easy, Heidi. I mean, you can have somebody in charge making sure that a grieving person gets a card once a month. That's easy to do. Um, Of course, there's at the beginning of a loss, there's a whole other list of things like meal training. You know, when you're the loss is fresh. There's another whole list. Right. But anyway, there's a whole lot of things all the way up to starting a grief share group, grief share group and support groups at your church. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Stephen's ministry booklets for grief. If you've seen those, um, I forget Kenneth Halk, I think is the one who wrote those, but it's four little books. And every three months you send the grieving person a new book. And the thing that's amazing is that book is right where you are three months down the road. So there are churches that have this ministry and a church that we don't even know anyone at the church, but one of our friends must have known somebody. Um, Every three months, we got the next book in the installment. And they're not expensive at all. So a church can invest in that and have uh, somebody in their church be the person that every three months sends that next book. So again, there's so many things and most of them cost nothing. And that, I'm looking here, that looks like it's stephenministries.org. Mm-hmm, it is. Does that, does that sound right? Stephen, it S-T-E-P-H-E-N, ministries.org. Right. Yeah. 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 One of the things that um, is part of this effort to help the church equip people is to teach and the pastors preach on suffering. Mm. Uh, it's something that the American church has always avoided. We spend, as a culture, billions of dollars a year to avoid suffering. And yet suffering is a very prominent theme in scripture that we often overlook until we do suffer. And then we find so many verses uh, that are there. So I've tried to challenge pastors uh, to preach and teach on suffering. And oftentimes uh, you can see the light bulb go on in their head like, wow, I've never done that before. And yet, uh, you know, with, with a lot of things that we may be facing and are facing um, in our country today, there may be more suffering that, uh, that the church leaders have a responsibility to equip their uh, congregation to be able to deal with and live with and understand from a biblical perspective. When suffering comes, we shouldn't be surprised. Mm. And yet, so many times we are. So It's a worldview issue. And uh, one of the things that we, we see in the ministry here is that uh, when parents lose ch- children, um, the first question is always asked, and, and it's an apologetics issue is how can a loving God do this to us? How can a loving God allow pain and suffering? 
And that's a worldwide question when we go through something difficult like this. But oftentimes parents end up um, becoming bitter and angry towards God and rejecting God and blame it on him. They develop a wrong concept of God. It's not a biblical concept. They question whether uh, this happened because of something they did wrong as a parent or because of their sin, perhaps, that this is punishment. And they, you know, some, a lot of parents go through all that. And was there something that we could have done differently to avoid this? And, and most parents can never conclude that there is because we try to help them understand that they did the best they could because of the love they had for their children. And so they did everything that they could in raising their children in a proper way. But these things happen because of the fall. We live in a sinful world, and this is a consequence. So when, um, when we see parents that have this wrong concept with God, we try to instruct them according to a biblical worldview of God, the whole theology of suffering, and, and the love of God, and how we don't have an all the answers to our questions, but we just have to trust, and someday God will make it known to us uh, why he allowed this to happen. I think as we... Uh, kind of move our way through. I'm so thankful that you are taking the devastating loss of Nathan and you're allowing God to use it in a way that really is bringing hope and healing to other people. Because as I said at the onset of the show, the church has kind of stumbled and, and, and faltered on this issue, certainly on the issue of suffering. The church doesn't have really a, a solid uh, theology for suffering. And you're right. It's a theological issue. It's a worldview issue. And we just avoid it like the plague, you know, we're happy to talk about a lot of other things, but this is one that we really uh, struggle to do. And you have a real heart, both of you, to just equip the church, because I think you're right that in the days to come, I don't think there's a single person who's listening to the show who's not going to be touched in one way or another by loss. And rather than have it catch you off guard, we should be studying these things now so that when we get that phone call or we, or we find out our friend has lost a child or they've lost a loved one, we don't stumble around and wonder, uh, wonder what to do and what to say. It really, is, uh, it really is amazing. You guys are doing something else that I'm, I think is, is wonderful. You're holding a conference, aren't you, for bereaved parents. Tell us a little bit about that. We're really excited about this. One of the first things that we did after Nathan died was got on the internet and tried to find help. You know, we didn't know what to do. And we thought, well, surely there's got to be conferences out there. And so we found some conferences, but they were conferences that, um, of people who don't know Jesus. And so they were conferences that had uh, workshops to help match you with a medium to contact your child. Oh dear. How to, no. Yes. And things like um, interpreting the signs, you know, when that butterfly went by, that really was Nathan, and he really was speaking to you, things like that. And we just couldn't believe it that, you know, as we dug and dug, and yet so many people find these things online, and you're so desperate when you lose yeah. a child. And these people, you know, I'm sure they're lovely people, but they're greeting with no hope. They don't know Jesus. And the only true comforter is Jesus. And so we're very excited um, to be able to have a conference, and kind of the whole theme is truth. So it's Discerning Truth, a conference for great parents. And um, we have four sessions. I'll give you the titles because I think that says a lot about what the conference is going to be. Um, I can remember the titles here. Okay, so 
um, biblical truths about child loss, finding hope in the midst of grief. It's the first one. Biblical truth about suffering, the path to trusting God. There's learning truth in the battle, lies of the enemy and putting on the armor of God. And then a Q&A roundtable. And we are just super excited for the people that are going to be joining us there. Brad and Jill Sullivan from Wawa Waiting Ministry will be there. Um, you're doing a session, Heidi, which we're just so appreciative of. Um, Craig Avon, he, do you remember the song um, the, the, with the piano guys? It was called, let's see, The Sweetest Gift. I don't yes. know if you've heard this song. I yes. have, yes. Okay, well, Craig Avon wrote that song, and he sang it with the piano guys, but Craig and his wife have lost two children, two unborn children, and they're going to be um, speaking, and he's going to be singing several songs for us as well. And then we mentioned our friends that were our grief share leaders that lost all three boys. They're going to be there also. And then the last person is Melanie DeSimone. And she has a blog called The Life I Didn't Choose. And she is a homeschool mom of several kids and lost a son in a motorcycle accident. So we're just really excited. We're going to have room for 75 parents on the ground. It's going to be at IEW, Institute for Excellence in Writing. Yeah, in, in, in the studio. And then we'll have people joining us online from wherever they are. So it's going to be a beautiful time together. Those are the sessions, but we have a lot of other things planned, um, you know, meals and a, a mini gathering like we, we do around the country and memorial service. And for parents who are interested in coming, IEW is located in Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm, yes. yes. It's in yes. Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. And uh, we've got about 30 seconds left. I want you guys to tell everybody again where they can find you online. It's at ourheartsourhome.org. So Our Hearts Are Home. And you guys, I, I downloaded uh, your your free printable. There's some wonderful resources that I hope that our listeners will take advantage of. And this one especially, How to Help a Grieving Parent During the Holidays. And it really does, uh, whether you've lost a child or whether you've just lost someone to illness, uh, I know... Uh, my mom is working through the loss of her husband this year. It'll be her first Christmas without him. And I think it gives practical and spiritual help to uh, those who are grieving. And it helps us to help other people who are grieving. It really is a ministry of, of the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter and we get to be his hands and feet. And we need to know what that looks like. Gary and Laura House, I love you both so much. And I thank you for what you're doing. I look forward to uh, working with you in April. Oh, we're so excited about it. Thanks for having us, Heidi. Sure appreciate it. Thank you. You're very welcome. I hope this has been an encouraging interview for you and that you will take advantage of the resources that Gary and Laura have created. You can find that at ourheartsourhome.org. And don't forget to check out that conference for bereaved parents. It's going to be a wonderful opportunity to get some hope and some healing and some handles like we talked on uh, talked about at the beginning of the show just to hold on to. God loves you and he wants to encourage you and we are called to encourage each other. So thank you guys for listening today. I appreciate it. And I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.